Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Amen. And uh, I got uh, from Daryl, I got a book on Paul. It looks like an excellent book. I read some of it, not much. An excellent book. And I also got a, a list of a chronological order, uh, looks like, of the book of Acts, um, or at least um, from the ascension of Jesus. Well, that would be the book of Acts, and, and then uh, following, So, uh, which I haven't had time to look over very much just, uh, just this evening, so that'll, that'll be a help in, in my study and, and preparation. Uh, what I wanted to do tonight to start, what, I, what we're going to do uh, later is look at the places and I, I thought about maybe just putting it this way. In Paul's own words, uh, let him tell. We, we, we got the historical of him being converted, okay? Ninth chapter, book of Acts. We got the historical. Um, and, and, of course, uh, that, that comes to us through Luke. And, and his uh, time, I'm sure that he um, how, how you say, uh, uh, studied with Paul as to what happened, and so we have we have that, which we read, and we went over very well. But now these tonight we'll go over are uh, Paul in his own words, and, and there will be t- uh, two of them uh, in which uh, Luke gives us the Paul's uh, testimony, and then one that Paul does himself, and that's the one uh, from Galatians. But f- before I did that, I I want to impress upon you as we go along that Paul understood that he got the gospel only from Jesus Christ. He calls it revelation, if you know how to use that term. In other words, you learn several different ways. You learn by doing and practicing. You learn by study and using your mind. But Paul said that's not how the gospel came to him. That's not how he got the gospel. He maintains that he got it strictly by revelation. And uh, we, we don't know exactly when that happened, uh, when, how, when he got that revelation. Obviously, we don't know how that happened. Uh, we guess at that, okay? And we think it was when he spent three years in the Arabian desert. I don't know if you've heard about that uh, part by Paul. So let's uh, look at one of the maps. The biggest one that we got, uh, uh, Freddie, uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually down here where it says Egypt and, and, and back in there a little further. I looked at the maps, and none of them have it on there, okay? Um, but uh, the, the one I had in my Bible, I think, yeah, down there when you get to Africa and Egypt— but the, uh, and the peninsula is uh, right there. Oh, yeah, that's the Arabian Desert right there. The peninsula, can you see it right there next to that inn? Uh, that's it. Uh, that's it. Uh, and so uh, Paul spent some time down there, probably when he is his Damascus, after, right after his Damascus. Well, we don't know. Right after his Damascus experience uh, that he went into the desert, what, what he's saying is that he, he, he makes a trip to Jerusalem. He sees the, the uh, apostles there, but he said, I didn't get the gospel there. And when you read, the, when you read Acts, you, you, you never really get the gospel coming out of Jerusalem. Now, we've already switched in, in, uh, from Jerusalem now to Antioch. Antioch now becomes the center. Um, and they are identified as Christians there which we've already looked at. Uh, but that's what he, he maintains, that he didn't get the gospel from the apostles. He didn't get it uh, in Damascus, that he got it straight from God in a revelation, had he understood it. Yeah, okay, and uh, he, he will maintain that. Um, it seems like the apostles are only interested in Jerusalem. It just seems like that. And it's uh, Barnabas and, and Paul or Saul that really make the difference in terms of getting the gospel out and also making sense of it. 
and I ran across my reading, I think it was yesterday, uh, they really want to badmouth Paul in Athens, okay? I will, I'm going to take another look at that, okay? I just can't do that. Anybody that would say, God, in God we live and move and have our being makes sense to me. So thank you, Daryl. It just makes sense to me. It makes good sense. And, and so I, I can't be critical. I'm, I'm going to look at that again, and, and I will be reading uh, about people who, who see that critically, okay? Uh, but it, it, it comes up time and time again that Paul did no good in Athens and, and the likes of that, okay? Uh, so I'll look at that again. But Paul gets the gospel at, from, as from God in Revelation, from Jesus in Revelation, okay? All right, that, that's the way he feels about it. Okay, let's do these uh, three times in which um, Paul gives his personal testimony. It seems like at the drop of a hat, he will give his personal testimony, which is good, which is good. Now, this one here, uh, let's set the stage a little bit, okay? He's in Jerusalem. And he has gone to the temple to take vows at the suggestion of some Christians there. We'll just say it that way. Oh, Paul, if you go take these vows and you pay for this guy's vows here, people will just love you. (laughs) Instead, you know what they did? They said he took a Gentile into the temple. That's what they said. So now that just, they just all go absolutely berserk, okay? And so in the process, the Romans have to come in to put the riot down, and actually they save Paul's life because they're going to kill him. And it must have been some kind of barracks with some steps went up high, and Paul asked the guy, he says, uh, will you let me speak? Paul, going to try again to win Jerusalem over or to win the crowd over. Okay. And uh, so this is what we're going to read here. Now, remember, it's really been hostile already. His life has been threatened already. He is, let's call him under arrest at this time already, and he quiets the crowd, and he's going to make an appeal. Part of that appeal is to tell, this is what happened to me, and it can happen to you. I think that's his, his motive behind that, okay? Uh, and this is him telling, okay, about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I ask? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, not much news uh, there, right? Uh, we, we got the idea of the light. Uh, it's like it uh, crushes them. The, the light just crushes them. And uh, out, of, out of that comes this voice, uh, 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 why do you persecute me? And, of course, we get that identity that Jesus has with his followers. To persecute the followers is to persecute Jesus. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. So he's identified as what? Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Jesus is a fairly common name, so he wanted to distinguish that by uh, being uh, from Nazareth. So... Uh, there's his introduction. He's telling them uh, to Jesus. Okay, we'll go to the next slide. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to them. Now, maybe they didn't understand the language or they just couldn't hear it plain. We, We don't know that, okay? All we know is Paul can understand and the people with him cannot understand. Um, companions uh, understood. Uh, speaking to me. 
what shall I do, Lord, I asked. And that's a, that's a good way uh, to handle that. Uh, have that kind of experience, which kind of smashes you down. And, and of course, it blinds him, but I don't know if he knows that yet. Um, but just does him in. He said, well, what, what can I do? What can I do? And the first thing he says is what? Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm reading uh, Joshua, you know. And uh, Joshua is a great book. Start out there, have courage, don't be dismayed. And so Joshua starts out and he has this great success in Jericho. And so he's all pumped up. And then he has this problem. Is it AI or A or I or uh, something like that? And uh, uh, they have this failure. And uh, Joshua's never really faced failure. He's a, he's a, he's a new leader. Okay. And uh, probably if you're a leader, pastor, you probably already know this as long as you've been in the ministry, is you have great failure. You have great failure. And so here Joshua falls on his face before God and he's whining and he's telling, oh, we're such sinners and we've failed here. And the first thing God says to him is, stand up. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a command, stand up. It's almost like, be a man. <laughs> <laughs> act like somebody and it, it's not quite that that come out that way here but still it's the same idea is God didn't make you to crawl around like a worm on the ground okay stand up stand up so get up the Lord said and go into Damascus where you will be told all that you have been assigned to do Paul's never been talked to that way probably in his entire life. His mama never talked to him that way. And I don't know whether his daddy talked to him that way or not, but he's probably never been talked to that way in his whole life. In other words, you'll be told what to do. In other words, we're going to tell you, or Jesus is going to tell you, and uh, you'll be told what to do. Uh, let me see. There you will be told that you have been, what you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus. Now, there's a new experience for him. Instead of him being the leader of men, now he's having to be led around. I was just reading within the last few months the value of ignorance. Years ago, a guy said to me, which meant a lot to me, he said, Barry, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> I said, so it's just a great one. Never yeah. forgot it. Never, never forgot it. Yeah. What I mean by the value of ignorance, if you think you know everything, you're not going to learn. And that's, but Paul was, all that was wiped out uh, from him. We won't rehearse that again, okay? But all that was wiped out. And he's got, and God has a clean slate now to talk with Paul. Now he's got Paul's attention. Before this, Paul knew everything. He knew exactly how to please God. He knew exactly who was righteous. He knew everything. He knew who the bad guys were and they are to be eradicated. He knew everything. But now he's going to go to a place where he knows nothing and the Lord's going to teach him something, something of value. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can They left him and... Brilliance of the light had, had blinded me. And a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. Okay. Uh, now, you know the audience Paul's, Paul's talking to, don't you? 
it's in Jerusalem, he's all Jews, and so he's speaking well here of the Jew, speaking well of him. Okay, let's go to the next slide. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, and that's an interesting uh, statement right there. Uh, uh, He's he's already seen Saul as a brother. Receive, Receive your sight, and at that very moment I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witnesses to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, there's several ways, uh, if you're surprised what it says about baptism there, there are several ways to look at baptism, okay? Uh, one, of the, one of the ways is your sins are washed away. Not by the water, I get that, okay? But your sins are washed. That was one way uh, to view. It's not my favorite, and I know from listening to you too, Pastor, it's not your favorite, okay? You like that idea of being buried completely and raised again, to new life, okay? But I do want you to know that sometimes you run into baptism as a symbol of washing your sins away, and so uh, uh, that's what it is. And so uh, Paul then is baptized. Very good. Let's go to the next one there. Uh, Then I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Remember when he went to Jerusalem the first time? Then he had to leave? Okay, all right. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another in prison and beat those who believe in you. Again, he's identifying with that group. Uh, this is what I did. Same thing you, what you did. Okay, what you would do, what you maybe like to do, I did. Okay, next. uh, And then the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed. I stood there giving my approval, guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Again, this is what they would do or what they would want to do. And he's identifying with them. Okay. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That ends the conversation absolutely right there. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the rest of this because you have to cut it off uh, someplace. But, but here, when he mentioned those Gentiles and that he was, his mission was to go to the Gentiles, they saw him as a terrible individual. And they would do everything they could to kill him. Uh, here, they don't get a hold of him because uh, the centurions already got him. And, and, uh, but they, because they, they throw dust up in the air. Uh, and it land, you know, lands all over them. You can imagine they're all sweaty and all that kind of thing. There's that dust sticking to them. And that, but they're, they're, they just, they're just venting themselves. The mob mentality, of, they just vent themselves and do crazy stuff, okay? That's what they do, all right? Thank God the centurion's there to save Paul. What is it that really bothers him? That crowd I'm talking about. Yes. To think that maybe God would approve a Gentile just is so awful. It can't be tolerated on earth. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, and, and now that's our first reading. That's in to the crowd in Jerusalem. From here, from here, he he will be finally taken to Caesarea, and then get on a ship and sail uh, to Rome. That's from 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 here. Okay. Um, and I did notice, Daryl, that uh, stuff you gave me tonight, that there's a, there's a place in there where 
he is set free after this incarceration. Um, I'm going to work on that. I'm gonna, <laughs> that I'm going to work on, all right? Um, but, uh, all right, so, uh, so uh, he'll, he'll be set free uh, later. So let's go to the next one, and the next one now is before Agrippa. He's already seen Felix, and Felix doesn't know what to do with him. He got him incarcerated. He's supposed to do something with him. Felix just doesn't know what to do with him. And so instead of turning him loose, I think they hang on to him because they're looking for some kind of a bribe and that kind of thing. And so they'll, they'll, they'll keep him. Um, but he gets an audience with Agrippa. Agrippa's coming in to take Felix's place. Felix moves on, and uh, he gets a chance to talk to Agrippa. So now we change the, um, the audience for the testimony. We had Jewish people, and, and they were very hostile, and he gives his testimony there. Now, this man is not necessarily hostile, he's, but he's in, um, he's in a place of authority. And uh, Paul now is going to give his testimony to Agrippa. Okay? We'll read that. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand. I wonder what he was motioning for. With the crowd, I know that. He motions with his hand to quiet the crowd and, and, to, and to start talking, okay? But here, I don't know what, what he's motioning his hands for. I, I wanted to say something silly like he's Italian and he can't talk with his hands in his pockets or something like that, you know. But, but, but that's all I think I could come up with. But he has something that he's doing here by, with his hands that I, don't, I can't see. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. I never, I need, I did not think of that at all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a high muckety muck he's dealing with here. Yeah. Who? So somebody's saying something over here too that I missed. Yeah, you would. Yeah, but I, yeah, that may. Yeah, do you mean like something like that? Okay. All right. All right. Yes, but he does something, something there, and I th and I'm think I like Kathy. I, I th just think it's significant. I just can't quite nail it down, but I'm working on it. Yeah, you know, it, it might be a salute of some sort too. Um, all right, uh, and and then he begins. And notice this is a defense too. It, uh, as it. It, it smacks of uh, legalities of a court, and, and it is uh, the court situation, with, especially with Agrippa. Uh, but it, it's, it's with deep. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews. Where's the problem coming from? Jerusalem. Pal, Jerusalem. Um, and... Uh, I don't know whether the Jerusalem lawyers are here at this time, uh, whether they have made their case before Agrippa or not, but he's going to make his, okay? And uh, uh, those lawyers uh, from Jerusalem will come up later. Uh, it's all the accusations of Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. So he's, he's, he's thinking... Uh, Agrippa, this this may be compliments, okay? Uh, it may be compliments. I don't know, um, but he he's suggesting that actually Agrippa. By the way, if you're trying to rule Jews, you learn right away these are very religious people and think seriously about their God, okay? And that may be what he's uh, tipping his hat to here with Agrippa too. Yeah, you know how these people are. You know how they act. Okay. Uh, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Please listen to me. All right. Go to the next slide. The Jewish people all know the way I lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country 
and also in Jerusalem. He's talking about he was raised in Tarsus. And how was he raised? In, in the home of a Pharisee? You going to say something, Chris? Yeah, now, now raised it. And then in Jerusalem, would be absolute, would be raised as a, as a Pharisee there. And he said, everybody's familiar with how I've been raised and, uh, and from uh, my beginning. Um, they have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. Notice he builds himself in there as a strict Pharisee. So according to accepted customs and laws, and he is a Pharisee. I'm not sure all of what they did, but obviously they tried to obey the law as they under, law of Moses as they understood it, and also uh, tried to uh, demonstrate to people around them that they actually do this. And, and uh, it is, and but now he he adds here it is because of my hope in what God has promised. He's trying to say that I was raised as a Pharisee and now I'm a Christian, but it's the same scripture that I had before as a Pharisee. In other words, he's still in the line of the scriptures. All he's saying is that he now lives as a fulfillment of the promises that were in the Old Testament, which I know every one of us would agree with that, you know that Jesus is foretold as the, the coming Messiah. And that's what he's saying is there no, should be no surprise here about his belief system uh, be, because it's what God has promised all along to the ancestors. Uh, Jesus is the promised Messiah. Okay. Go to the next slide. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Now, you, know, you get that again? He's saying it, it is the Old Testament. I'm living according to the Old Testament. I'm living according to the scriptures. And, and I'm, I'm trusting God in, in, in that old, uh, those, uh, those promises. And that's why they have caused me trouble and they want to see me dead. Why should any of you consider it incredible, incredible that God raised the dead? Now he's sneaking in something here brand new. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection itself. Okay? That is something. Okay. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's, he's saying, it, it, was a, it, it was really tough, and I did all I could do. Joan, were you going to say something? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, it's all I could do to do all that was possible to oppose the name. Okay, he's, he said, I thought we ought to oppose Jesus too, okay? But that, he's changed his mind. Let's go the next text. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that it just is what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison and then they were put to death. Pastor mentioned before we started tonight that this Paul was a really mean guy. I mean, just vicious and didn't care. Yes, vicious. And the people he put to death were, were not just a bunch of men either. He killed women just the same. I'm, I'm telling you now, he's, there's some really bad stuff here. Uh, Chief Greece uh, put, put the Lord's people in prison and put to death. I cast my vote against them. 
And I think that's, of course, is a referral uh, to the uh, death of Stephen. And many a time I went from synagogue to another to have them punished. I wonder what that was, to punish them. What would you do to them? Flog them? Just beat them? Public beatings or something of that nature? Don't know. From synagogue. And tried to force them to blasphemy. Uh, of course, is to get them uh, like um, um, uh, we had a period, especially Spain was uh, one that was would do that. The Inquisition, and we just torture. Oh, Joan and I was at the castle over there, and they were telling us all about the castle and showing us all about this stuff. And there was a box over there. They didn't tell us nothing about that. They didn't say anything about that. But you open it up as one of them, what do you call them, steel maidens or something like that. They, yeah, I know. It's just like spikes in them. You know, they close people up. And they, didn't, they, didn't go, they didn't tell us that's what they did there at the castle, but that's what they did there. <laughs> it was kind of comical. I said, Joan, do you see this box over here? Look at this. <laughs> oh, that was gruesome. Oh, gosh. Whew. Uh, so every once in a while this crops up, okay, but that was him. That's what he was doing, and, and he freely admits this b b before King Agrippa. Uh, and I tried to force them to blasphemy, mean to try, try to force them to, to deny Jesus and, and to de deny the promises that, uh, that they have had. And so he tried to do that. Um, I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Uh, <laughs> there's no place you can hide against this guy. No, sir. Uh, he wants you to believe a certain way. Let's go to the next one there. Uh, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road, and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, now here we get, that's new. You, did you hear that? Okay, that's brand new. Um, and that's one reason why I wanted to do these individually uh, and, and compare uh, and Aramaic was most likely the language uh, that Jesus was raised with and that he used the most. Okay, I don't know that he uh, even used another language besides that. So this would be really in the, the, the right genre of, of uh, Jesus visiting you. He's using the language that he's most used to. And, of course, Paul understands this language too, uh, so Jesus would use that language with him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? There's a good, that's a good question. Why are you doing that? Well, how am I doing that? By hurting my people. That's how you're doing that. Yeah. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That's a brand new line. We haven't had that in the original uh, ninth chapter of the book of Acts where uh, Luke gives us the historical setting uh, we haven't had that uh, against the crowd. This is the first time he has said this is what Jesus told him. Now, if you're not familiar with this passage here, let me from old form boy uh, look at this, tell you what that is, okay? Do you know what a goad is? If I said, you know, we goaded them into it, that's using it as, as a metaphor, hmm? Yeah, they were all familiar with this, okay, because this is the, the country they lived in, uh, the time in which they lived. And a goat is a, is a stick. And if, you, if you're on the farm with animals very much, you will need a stick. One of the first things you should do is go to the woods, and if you've got a bunch of hickory trees going on there, cut your, the right size hickory tree out of the woods, and you'll get you a nice stick. And you leave a set up for a month or so till it 
drives some, and you can't hardly break it. You've got a nice stick. If you need to use it, you can use it. And you've got these oxen. Now, if, if you are watching a movie now and you see oxen in a movie, uh, you can be assured that these are really, from this time that Paul's talking to now, they've had 2,000 years to help breed the right kind of oxen. Okay, so you're looking at some really good ones when you look at any oxen used today. Has anybody not seen an oxen pair work? Okay, all right. Well, let's, you got them all hooked up. You got them on a cart, and you want to go someplace. What do you? How do you get them to start in? Use your stick. It's got a sharp point on the end of it, and you just. And how long do you do that till they move? That's a, you do that. Poke them, poke them with the stick, and. The, of course, the oxen, he don't know any better. He don't want to be poked. He'll kick. And when he kicks, he not only gets the stick, but he gets his own kick delivered in the stick. If you know what I mean, he's given the stick power uh, by kicking it. And uh, yeah. yeah. And so that's what it's a picture of. It's a picture of, of God poking Paul in the right spot, trying to get him to go that way and then get him to go that way and get him to go ahead. And what does he do? Does he, does he go this way and that way and go ahead? No. No. And that's why he says... No, but he would see that. Yeah, yeah, he would see it on, yeah, especially all the travels that he did. He would see that all the time. He, and he, he would see them, what do you call them, teamsters, teamsters uh, taking care of, he would see them all the time. And, and so he, he would not go this way or he would not go that way that God was uh, uh, trying to get him to do. And, and so that, that's the first time now that shows up there, that God had been working with him all along, and he just wouldn't respond. What was he doing? Killing them Christians. That's what he was doing. He was killing them Christians. Yeah, and that's the right thing to do. And boy, you just do the right thing to do, and you do it well. Okay, <clears throat> let me see. Why do you persecute me? It, yeah, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Uh, your life is miserable because you're not going in the path of God. Everything is difficult for you because you're not going on the right path. Okay. Then I ask, who are you, Lord? And the reply is, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, amen. And who is it? Not Christ. Now, Paul meets him in the glorified Christ, but he introduces himself as Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and a while ago, it was Jesus of Nazareth, if you remember. Uh, he just used Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and sometimes, and I think Paul needed this, okay, by the way, needed to be reminded that uh, Jesus was a man. My the four Mikes and I are reading the book called uh, The Beautiful Outlaw. And uh, we Zoom on Monday morning. And the book is trying to remind us that Jesus was a man. And because every once in a while we'll forget that. And we'll have him on a pedestal and we only see the God side. And uh, you have to be reminded time and time again, Jesus was a man. Uh, let me say it differently. <laughs> Jesus was a human being. And uh, people need to remind it. Go ahead, Chris. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a gentle reminder. He, he was a person in the culture and raised in a small town called Nazareth. That's a great reminder. Yeah. And we need to remind, be reminded. Uh, I found that in a Baptist church, you will not have any problem preaching that Jesus is God and his Godhead and, and go on. Boy, but if you bring him down the earth very far, it, it becomes an issue now. Or it can be an issue. <laughs> it can be an issue. Go ahead, Daryl. <sighs> Amen. And just let me rem Yeah, let me let me remind you that every time that you raise him up up here to be God, and, and emphasize just that side of it, you're removing him from you and his relationship and the intimacy of the relationship that you can have with him. I just want to remind you of that, so you want to be real careful. That's why it's so important, as difficult as it is, is he is God and he is human at the same time. Yeah, it's, but it's hard, okay, because we'll forget sometimes uh, that he is tempted. We'll forget sometimes that he was morose. Morose, is that the way to say that? Uh, especially in the garden. Uh, and he was hurt by his friend who told him to shut up and not talk like that, Peter. And uh, anyway, um, and he was touched by people too, uh, especially I think like the woman in, uh, that uh, comes in off the street and anoints his feet. I think he's touched by and because he said to, to, to the, uh, Simon the Pharisee there, he said, do you see this woman? And you know he didn't. He saw a prostitute. Uh, he saw a sinner, but he did not see this woman. And let me remind you that Jesus can see you. And it's a good, I mean that in the very best sense of the word. He can see you. But we better go so we can, uh, okay, excellent, guys, okay. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as servant and as witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. Thank God he does that, especially in Jerusalem there. He gets rescued by that centurion. Oh, wow, what a great man he is. <clears throat> I, will from I am sending you to them. See, now you can say it clearly here, right up front, before Agrippa, that he's sent to the Gentiles uh, to open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in him. So what do, you, what do you, these uh, Gentiles get when they turn to God? They get the forgiveness of their sins and they get the sanctification that comes by faith in him. That's what they get. Okay, get uh, at least those two things are probably more two that Paul would say, but that's the two things he builds right into that. That's what he's told and that's his mission uh, from Jesus Christ. Is there another uh, slide to this one? This, okay, let's go to the next one now. Okay, that was before Agrippa. Okay. Huh? Yeah, yeah, this is in Galatians, uh, where Paul gives his testimony to the Galatians. Now this is this is one. Now this is this is not even filtered through um, Luke. Okay, this is Paul in his own writings here. Uh, and uh, He'll talk to um, In Galatians, if you're not familiar with that, Paul is fighting for his apostleship. Uh, they, they are in danger of, of uh, taking Paul's authority as apostle away from him. 
and uh, they are moving to a different gospel. I'm not sure what that is, but they moved to a different gospel, and, he, and he's uh, really trying to redeem them. Uh, Galatians is not a city. It's an area. It has several different churches in it, and so this would have been uh, either circulated or copied and sent to the other churches as well. To the Galatian was it was an area, okay. Okay, uh, yeah, we got we got time. We'll we'll probably do this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. Now that's what I wanted to start us out and to prepare you for. Uh, he he didn't get that by the gospel by reading the Old Testament and understanding it, which I think we should. I think we should do that. Okay, he, that's not where he got the gospel. He didn't get the gospel. He didn't get the gospel from the apostles, although he met with them not very often. But he did see them, uh, and they didn't get along too good, and they didn't care for him. They were just trying to get get him out of their hair and get on with the business. I think. Uh, how did he get the gospel? Revelation. Straight. From God. That's how he got it. Uh, I did not receive it from any man or was taught it. Rather, I received it in revelation from Jesus Christ. Amen. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advanced in advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among the people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. Now, he's trying to tell them that this is the way he was, but he has, God has changed him and given him the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has actually changed him. And he's, and he's trying to tell them, I used to do this, but I don't do this anymore. I have been changed. I have been converted. Okay, let's go to the next one. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Now, when he, when, when he says that, I don't understand what that means, but he understood that God has his hand on him from the day, excuse me, from the day he was born. And that is just a wonderful thing. And isn't it wonderful to, uh, to, to see that maybe even things that you disliked about yourself for years, you find out as you mature in Christ that those are the kinds of things that made you into the person you are today, and that's the person God wanted you to be. I mean, isn't it great to find that out? Yeah. And so he's understanding that God's been in this business all along of, of bringing him along, had his hand on him all, all along uh, there. Um, and... When he uses the word called, he uses it different than any other um, writer in the Bible. Um, Jesus would say, many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, that's kind of the way Jesus would say that, okay? Paul doesn't use the word called that way. He uses, if he says you've been called, you've already believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and are a follower of him. Uh, they, and when he uses the word call, that's the way he meant. He doesn't mean that you, you have, you are asked to come along. No, it means you already are. Were you going to say something, Chris? Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, and now that, that's a, a real hard to, and who are the called according to his purpose? You remember that phrase? Who are the called according to his purpose? That's what he, but he will, that's the way he uses the word called. Uh, if he's writing to a church, you are called. and means they've already heard the gospel. They already believe the gospel. They're in. Okay, that's the way he uses that. Uh, called, uh, uh, called me by his grace. Uh, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. There he is. Now he's just clearly just putting it out there from the beginning uh, to them. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I 
was. But I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. And still, I'm thinking that was in that, that uh, area there when he was at Damascus. And, uh, but still, his preaching there, if you remember, his preaching there didn't do very good. They tried to kill him, and they, and they sent him to Jerusalem. And finally, they had to send him home for a while. And, uh, but something happened to him now that made him right. Made him right because, you know, here he is. All right. Uh, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see where the apostle was. I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. So there, there he's meeting with uh, Peter uh, in Jerusalem and stayed with him 15 days. Okay. We, we got, do we have some more here? No, that's it. We're done. Oh, we haven't gone this one yet? Okay. I, yeah, I, I saw none of the apostles only. James, oh, the, oh, the Lord's brother. Oh, James, the Lord's brother. Well, one guy had a sermon on that. He said, uh, and last of all, the, the Lord appeared to James. I don't know what you don't. Okay. James was the last one to see the resurrected Lord before he ascended. Okay. That's the last one. He says, I could just see that meeting there. Uh, Jesus walks up to him, puts his arm on and says, Brother, do I have something to tell you? <laughs> I thought that was a great one. I'll make a great sermon someday, I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I was assured you before God that I am writing you is no lie. Uh, then when I went up to uh, Syria, Sicilia, whatever. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea and that of Christ, and they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. And, of course, he's enforcing now to them is his being successful with his apostleship. He said he is called, and he's being successful with his apostleship. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's thank God for his word, okay? Lord, we thank you for your love toward us in your son. And we're so glad that, that you became human and, and really know how to relate to us. And Lord, we pray that we would understand that kind of intimacy with you and that we would uh, live by that and share that with others. We thank you for this giant, Paul, who uh, works so hard at sharing the gospel. And uh, help us, if, if it be your will, for us to understand how he came to understand the grace so absolutely and was able to share it with others. Help us to, to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Good.